You're listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast, episode number 11. You play ball like a girl! I'm Nikki B with Play Like a Girl, made just for female athletes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Play Like a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Nikki B. Here at Play Like a Girl, we aim to encourage more confidence in young women who play sports and give them the necessary tools and advice to have an amazing career in sports and beyond. If you are a young woman who plays sports and lives an active lifestyle, or you know one of these young women, I am so excited you are here. Each week, we'll either bring you a guest in the sports world or have a roundtable discussion of the many taboo and important topics in the world of female sports. Are you with me? Let's change the game. All right, Plaque listeners, so today I am super excited to share this episode with you because I talked to Anna Shoemaker. She is a former gymnast who went to UC Davis and also competed on American Ninja Warrior. I had so much fun talking to her about that. We talked a lot about injuries, perseverance, and being an entrepreneur and how the skills that she developed as an athlete helped her in her businesses today. So without further ado, please give a warm welcome to our guest, Anna Shoemaker. All right, well, hi, Anna. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm so excited you are here. I yeah. We heard about you through Katie, who we just had on the <laughs> podcast, and she told us that you're an American Ninja Warrior and you're just a total awesome female athlete. So I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on here. Awesome. So just to get to know you a little better for all of our listeners to figure out who you are, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Okay. Yeah. I think okay. So. <laughs> All right. First one. Where did you grow up? I grew up, I'm actually from Virginia, but I moved around. So I lived in North Carolina, Illinois, and then California. So I grew up in the Bay Area from 10 years old on. Wow. Okay. And so where yeah. do you live now? <laughs> I now live in Sacramento in Midtown. Awesome. Yes. And what sports did you play growing up? I really only did gymnastics with a couple, like two years of competitive swimming through and thrown in there, but I was a one sport girl. <laughs> awesome. I was too. All right. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I love that. Okay. What is one of your superpowers? Um, I was thinking about that one, and I would say probably my ability to turn anything into a playground. <laughs> Love that. I will, I will climb on just about anything you put in front of me if I'm allowed to. <laughs> I love it. Sometimes, I mean, it makes sense yeah. for what you do, being a gymnast. It totally yeah. makes sense. Okay, and then lastly, who's your favorite athlete? Um, I would probably have to say right now it's Simone Biles. She's in the highly Olympic gymnast, best gymnast in the world. <laughs> Okay, and not to mention, she's just like the cutest thing ever. I just love her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's like five feet tall and flies like 20 feet in the air. It's ridiculous. Right. Oh, my gosh. Okay, cool. Well, let's now dive a little deeper into who you are. So you said you play gymnastics primarily. That was like pretty much your only sport. So walk us through your sports journey growing up and how you got into gymnastics in the first place. Yeah, so I started gymnastics when I was four years old. Just one of those preschool classes that your mom throws you in to, you know, get some energy out. And pretty much I never left. I loved the sport. I never had to be dragged to practice. I always wanted to go. Um, but I probably started getting serious when I was in high school. That's when I realized that it could take me to college. So I started getting a little more serious with it, trying to up my skill level so I could get recruited. 
Um, and then I think I actually had an injury my freshman year in high school. I broke my back. Oh. I had like, yeah, a couple How stress fractures that? in my back. Overuse. Uh, oh. A lot of gymnasts have this problem. It's you're landing incorrectly and mm -hmm. it was an overuse in my lower back. And then so my recovery from that is when I got a lot better, ironically enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, I mean, yeah. That's so let's talk about, because you said that you started focusing a little bit more on gymnastics in high school when you realized you could get a scholarship. Um, yep. So talk to us, because you told me that you got a scholarship at UC Davis. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. So how was the recruiting process for you, and how did you choose Davis? So the process started my sophomore year. So when I recovered from that injury is when I uh, my career kind of skyrocketed, that I had my comeback year, I competed at Western Nationals, and I won that meet, and that was when college coaches started to recognize who I was, but I still wasn't at the level that they were looking for. When you get recruited, they look for level 10 gymnasts, and I was a level 9, so I was a little bit behind. And so with the recruiting process, I was mailing out packets to multiple schools, which no one does now. Now it's all online, but right. um, I was mailing out packets. I was emailing. I was putting videos on YouTube. Um, all because my club coach basically said, hey, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, so just let them know who you are and keep emailing them. So mm -hmm. I was that annoying recruit that was emailing them every week, letting them know that I was progressing, you know, getting better. And um, there were a couple of schools on my radar I was looking at, and but Davis, uh, the coach, was friends with my club coach, and so I got to know him better, and it just made more sense to go there. And then when I walked on campus, I loved it, and I knew that's where I wanted to go. So he recruited me my junior year in high school and committed me to Davis. That's awesome. Well, Davis is such yeah. a pretty campus. It was actually one of the schools I looked at too. Um, but before we dive into more of like the college recruiting process, talk about your injury because, and I know for a lot oh, yeah. of our listeners who, you know, maybe of course have watched gymnastics before, but they don't really know, like understand the level. So talk about mm -hmm. the levels first of all, and then your injury okay. and how you were able to progress and get better after that injury. Cause I think that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So with gymnastics, there's 10 levels and that's the junior Olympics. It's one through 10, but really it's like four through 10 because the first three are Devo developmental <laughs> levels. So level, I would say you start, college coaches are looking at level 10. Olympic is elite. So, but the gap between level 10 and elite is very large. So when you mm -hmm. see the Olympics, those are the elite athletes. And then level 10 is just below elite. So um, as you're looking in high school, you're, you want to be level 10 by about your sophomore, junior, sophomore year, ideally, to get recruited into college, especially if you're looking for a scholarship. So I was a little bit behind because I hurt my back my freshman year, and that put me back a level. So I was level 9 instead of level 10 as a sophomore. Um, so that's kind of how the levels work, if that makes a little sense. Mm -hmm. And then um, when it comes to the injury, I was out for six months to a year, and then I spent all that time just conditioning getting a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. So when I came back, my body was strong. I just was behind on site. I just had to learn some new skills. And I came back and as a level nine and won the Western National Championships, which was the that was probably the highlight of my whole club gymnastics career was that meet because it was my comeback. It was everything, you know, everything clicks. I'm sure you've had tournaments in golf where everything just clicks and just goes, th goes right. It was one of those days. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, that was kind of the, you know, turning point of my club career. And then I moved up to level 10 my junior year and had a great season, qualified to the junior national championships that year. Um, but recovering from the injury was, was tough. I mean, I was, I couldn't do any gymnastics for six months. All I did, I'd go into the gym every day, condition, stretch, go home. 
and mm-hmm. condition stretch and visualize like my routines. And I did that for months on end. Um, but I think it's important that when you're hurt, that you still go through the motions of your sport because otherwise you can either lose your motivation or it's a slower comeback. If you want to come back as fast as possible from an injury, you have to stick, keep your mind in the game, keep your mind, you know, active and, uh, you know, Right. keep your mind doing the sport even though your body can't at the moment totally I mean the mental game is a huge part I mean I know for me as a golfer mental game is huge but for any sport really and like you said especially yeah. when you're injured or maybe if you're not playing as well it's really sharpening that mental game because that'll help you and as well as conditioning and get your body stronger um, but talk a little bit too about I'm interested how do you go from level 9 to level 10 what's the process of that and then what's even the process of going from level 10 to elite so going from it's all it's a skill skill difficulty. So mm-hmm. every level has a required set of skills in gymnastics. So, um, for example, on on balance beam, right? Mm-hmm. You'll ha- you have to do what's called a series. So it's two skills in a row, and maybe in level nine um, or in level eight, that skill is two back handsprings, which is. Um, and then in level 10, you have to add a flip to one of them, you know, so you don't touch your hands. So it's like mm-hmm. your difficulty goes up and you have to successfully include these more difficult skills in your routines. And then you have to successfully compete them to be qualified at that level. Right. Um, and you have to you have to go through every level. You can skip levels by doing like two or three meets and scoring a certain score. And then you can move on to the next level. But that's very difficult to do because the skills are really challenging as you're moving up. And so, so that's kind of how, so to go from level nine to level 10, I had to upgrade my skills um, Mm -hmm. on every event. And then from level 10 to elite, which I didn't do Mm because I didn't go to the Olympics, (laughs) but that jump, you know, every level is about here. And then that jump is like here. It's huge. Um, I mean, that's, that's Simone Biles. That's what you see her doing, you know, and the, there's the difficulty level is an infinite for elite. There's now they if they they can make up their own skills they Mm -hmm. they are trying to up they now get rewarded for difficulty they change the whole scoring platform it's no longer they don't get scored out of the tent so yeah so they can up their difficulty as much as they want so that that level jump is pretty intense that's crazy i'm just thinking to myself of how the fact that i can't even i can barely do a cartwheel so (laughs) what you guys can do is just absolutely insane to me so before well, we get into all I don't that, because hit a golf ball, so <laughs> right, see, yep, it's all all relative. Um, okay, so let's talk about now. I want to know what are some of your favorite memories from playing on a team in high school and college, and then as well as what are some of the pitfalls? So your favorite memories, and then also the pitfalls. So like the peak in the pit of you know being a, a student athlete, um, and then your advice for others. Okay, so. My best memory in high school is probably that meet that I was talking about, the Western National Championships. That was my comeback year. It was one of those like kind of magical moments. Uh, I'm really close with my club coach, and her and I had a just really really clicked. Had a great meet there. Um, club is it's it's a very individual sport in club. I mean, I had some teammates, but I was the only one at my level at that time. So it's really just me and my coach going through the meets my last couple of years. So. Um, my relationship with her and, and those, you know, championship meets were definitely the highlight. The pitfalls were my injuries mm-hmm. <laughs> in high school. I had my back injury and actually broke my foot my senior year in high school, and oh I couldn't gosh. compete my last year. Um, and I was my, my college coach. I was already offered my scholarship, and he didn't take it away, which mm-hmm. I was terrified that when he found out my foot was broken, that I was done. Yeah. And um, luckily, he had some faith in me and didn't take it away. But 
injuries are going to be the downfalls every time. It just not being able to do your sport by not by choice is um, heartbreaking in the moment. So, um, and that continues into college. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in for college, my highlight was my senior year. Uh, the we made it to the NCAA regional championships for the first time. Uh, Davis had never made it to regionals as a team. When I joined my freshman year, they had individuals go. It's top top 34 teams in the country go to NCAA regionals for gymnastics. And we always were, you know, 38th or 40. Mm. In my senior year, we were 34th. So we made that top 36 um, teams. And we went as a team. And I was captain that year with another one of my teammates. Her and I were able to end our college careers at regionals, which was the highlight of the entire my entire career, for sure. And then pitfall would be another injury. I had uh, <laughs> shoulder surgery my freshman year in college. Wow. So that was, yeah, that was. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait. Bit. So real quick, how many, like, how many bones have you broken and how many surgeries <laughs> have you had? Because I feel like you've had a lot. <laughs> I've had, I've had two surgeries. Um, mm-hmm. I've had my shoulder uh, repaired and I've had ankle surgery, which is how I met Katie because Katie did ah, my rehab. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I've had bones. I, a lot. I, I broke it. Both my feet have been broken. I broke my wrist, but most of my injuries were, um, and my back was broken. So mm-hmm. quite a, quite a few. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, I feel like things when you're doing all of that with your body and contorting your body like that and jumping and moving around, like I feel like for like gymnastics and even cheer, like it's pretty much, you know, as damaging on your body or if not more than like football and all those other contact sports. Oh, 100%. yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The injuries, most of the gymnastics injuries are overuse because we right. do those skills every day over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And the impact is insane. So I know now, so like when you get to college, sometimes like I don't do any of my tumbling passes on floor on the actual floor until the day I compete because oh, wow. it's just too much impact. So that's where the mental training comes in because you have to trust that you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. when you compete even though you haven't done it that whole week because my ankle obviously was messed up prior to getting surgery so I had it I couldn't tumble on the floor during practice weeks you just have to be it's all about you know the mental game for sure yeah okay so let's talk about that a little bit because it sounds like especially like we talked about earlier for injuries it's really Mm -hmm. all about the mental game because you're out and it's it can be you know depressing and just damaging and you feel like all hope is lost in the moment. So talk a little bit um, about your experience and how you've really had to change your, how you, you know, the way you think and how you've really mentally made a comeback and how that's how you actually made your comeback. Yeah, I think definitely the injury in high school was my first experience with that Mm -hmm. debilitating of an injury. And my coach helped me get through it a lot. I mean, mentally you're, you're very upset at first. You're, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could say borderline depressed because you're the sport that's now your outlet. It's what makes you happy. You don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that you will eventually make it to the other side. And if you want to make it to the other side faster, you have to be do all your you have to do all your rehab. You have to make sure that you're mentally still in the game. You're still thinking about your sport every day. You're still, you know, visualizing yourself doing all your routines or doing your pra- everything you would do in practice. You're doing any strength training that you are able to do. And it's just a it's a lot of perseverance. You're just persevering until you can get to the other side. And that was what I did for my back injury. When I broke my foot, that was probably the more devastating injury because I was going into college and I had just learned gotten all my routines ready to go and then I my foot snapped. So that one was really, was really tough mentally. Cause I was scared that my college coach wasn't going to want me anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, getting through it's, it's all perseverance. It's all, you know, doing what you can, 
pushing through the hard days. You know, you wake up, you know, you're not going to be able to do your sport and it's depressing, but you have to do all the rehab, keep your body strong, keep your mind strong and keep your mind in the game so that the second that your body's healthy and ready to go, you're competing at the top of your game. You know, you don't have to still climb uphill when you're already, once you're healthy. Totally. Yeah. I love that. And I love that word perseverance. It's so true. You just got to keep that yeah. going. And then as well as having the patience to persevere, right? <laughs> oh, uh, patience is huge. Yeah. Huge. And you, totally. have to, you have to give yourself a break, allow yourself to, you know, be a little bit upset about the injury. That's, that's all you can't say, you know, not be upset about it, but then you have to let that be your motivator to get better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about now. I want to know after graduation, what did you do and how did you transition from being a college athlete to just being an athlete and working in the real world? Yeah, that was hard. Graduating Mm -hmm. college is difficult because now you're thrown into the real world. They just say, all right, good luck. Go make money and make a living. All right. (laughs) So, um, my plan, of course, and nothing ever goes according to plan. My plan when I graduated, no, never. I was going to take a year off. I moved to Sacramento. I was going to work as a physical therapy aide because um, mm. so I had actually interned at Results prior to graduating. So yeah, mm-hmm. it all ties together. It all ties um, together. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to go to PT school. That was my plan to become a physical therapist. I majored in exercise biology for that purpose. But um, when I was working in the clinic, I liked it. But I don't, I don't think I loved it as much as I thought. I figured, mm-hmm. I think my only connection to PT was that I had been injured a lot and I mm-hmm. really had an appreciation for the body and how it worked and I wanted to help other people. Um, and so I thought that's what I wanted to do. But after living in SAC about six months, I got a part-time job as a personal trainer at 24 Hour Fitness, just honestly, just to make a little more money. That was the mm-hmm. only reason I started, um, I had started lifting weights. That was my new fitness outlet. And uh, because I needed something to replace gymnastics, and so I tried right. weightlifting, and um, I got into personal training, and I loved it. I started to look more look forward to seeing my clients, and less look forward to going to the clinic. And I was like, well, that's mm-hmm. not something's <laughs> not right there. So I ended up leaving the clinic, going full time as a trainer, and I realized I liked it because I wanted to prevent the injuries. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I was tired. I I wanted people to. People who are working out and getting hurt, I wanted to help them not do that. So teach them right. correct form, yes. learn how to reach their goals and learn how to be get the fitness level that they wanted without hurting themselves or if they already have an injury, to help them strengthen the right muscles and help them become more pain-free. And so that's, I like that angle of it a lot better. So I started doing that um, after college. Um, and that's why I had my ankle surgery. It was right after college. So I was recovering from that at the same time. And um but I still definitely felt like something was missing. I mean, you know, it'd be like if you couldn't play golf again. It's like right. there's something in your it's something in your body that's just missing. And 18 years of gymnastics was just done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I found Ninja Warrior, and that's when that kind of took over uh, that little hole in my hole in my life. Yeah. Okay. So how college. how did that happen? Because you were personal training. So how did you go mm-hmm. from personal training to finding out about American Ninja Warrior, and then? Like how t- talk about that whole recruiting process. Like how did that opportunity happen? How did you get casted for it? I'm like so curious to know about all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'd never seen the show before. Um, I think the first time I actually saw it was summer. The summer after I graduated from Davis, I was actually house sitting at a friend's apartment, just coincidentally, oh and I went to their apartment gym and was working out in there, and the TV was on, and American Ninja Warrior just happened to be on on TV, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I started watching the show, and that's when um, one of the girls, her name is Casey Catanzaro, she's, you know, become this star in the show. That was her breakout year when she was mm-hmm. the first girl to 
complete a qualifying course, a finals course, and she's this five foot tall, you mm -hmm. know, tiny little, and she was a college gymnast, and I saw her background, and I was like, I could totally do that. So awesome. after I saw her on the show, I realized that that's exactly what I wanted to do next. That was going to be my new outlet. And so I, but I had to have ankle surgery that August. That was before mm -hmm. my surgery that I realized I wanted to do it. So I had my surgery. I told Katie, I said, Kay, I need you to get me back so I can compete on this show. And she was kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. But I'll, <laughs> she's like, I'll do it. I'll train you for it. Um, and then as soon as I, as soon as I had full mobility of my ankle, I, which was a year later, I went down to this gym in Concord cause the owner, I saw him on the show and I saw that he was from Concord mm -hmm. and I saw he had a gym. So I was like, great, I'll go down there and train. And that was in August, 2015. Mm -hmm. So I went to the gym and it was like, as soon as the first day there, the community is amazing. They all welcomed me there. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And I applied for the show, but I didn't get on that year. Mm -hmm. So to apply, you submit a video, mm -hmm. a three-minute long video about yourself and what you do, and then you fill out an application, and that's it. And then you wait to get a call back. So they so, don't even have you like send in a video of what you can actually do? Well, it's of what you can do. It's like of, okay. your, of your training, you know, of your skills, like of your um, you doing ninja obstacles. Gotcha. They want to know about you, right? So it's a three-minute right. video about you and your athletic ability. And then, um, and there's all these rules to the video mm -hmm. and then you hope to get picked. So I didn't get selected my first year, but if you don't get selected, you can go down and be a course tester and which means you get to do the obstacles and test them for the producers, but which right. is how it happens during the day. So someone told me about that and I was like, Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So we drove down to LA with a couple friends and we all did, we were testing the course and, um, that's when I met the executive producers. So I was testing one of the obstacles and no girl tester had gotten through it yet and so I went up to do it and I didn't get through it but I got really close I was the closest one and it was this whole dramatic thing and I fell <laughs> off and like face planted into the water and made this big splash so dramatic but it was you know and then I crawled out of the water and one of the produ executive producers greeted me when I got out mm -hmm. and was like, who are you <laughs> I need to know him, yeah, I was, he was like, well, why aren't you on the show this year? And I said, well, because you didn't pick me. <laughs> and he was like, well, make sure you apply next year. And uh, so what's funny is I, um, there was something called Team Ninja Warrior. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but that's when you race each other on the course. That one's mm -hmm. on USA Network. It's a newer yes. show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was a kind of a spinoff. So because I've been training at that gym in Concord for so long, or for about a year, they two of the guys there had been called up to be on Team Ninja and they needed a girl on their team. So they asked the producers if I could be the girl on the team. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said yes. And so that was my first Ninja experience. Anything was actually on Team Ninja in the fall of 2016. And that same producer saw me in line at lunch, the lunch hour. And he was like, hey, you made it. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which I awesome. thought was so funny. Um, and then I reapplied for season nine of mm -hmm. American Ninja Warrior. And I, then I got selected. So my first season ever was two years, it was a year ago competing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get aired on TV on that one because I didn't do it as well. <laughs> I fell on the third obstacle uh, in qualifiers. I didn't qualify past that. I didn't, it was not, it was, I got my feet wet, literally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first experience on the show. And that's, and that's basically how you get on. You apply, you hope to get selected. And once you're on, that's you're on the qualifier. And about 100 people run that course. They only air about 30% wow. of the runner. 
Yeah, and then to move on from qualifiers, you have to get top uh, top five. It's top thirty or top five women. Mm-hmm. And so after not doing so well, I was really disappointed, but because mm-hmm. I knew that I could do better, and I just had done so well on Team Ninja, I was like the rookie sensation, right. and then I went and fell super early on the on the show, <laughs> and I was like, well, so much for those expectations. Um, so I reapplied. I got back on Team Ninja, did another season of that, and then applied for season ten. Got back on, and that was this most the year that just aired was season ten of mm-hmm. American Ninja Warrior. That was my best ninja anything so far. So that was incredible. I uh, I did city qualifiers. I made it to the fifth obstacle. Fell right at the end. So I didn't get up. I didn't get to do the wall, but mm-hmm. I made. I was fourth, which meant that I got the top five to make it to city finals, uh, which was filmed the very next night. So it was filmed overnight. And some people don't know that it's filmed from eight p.m. to five a.m. Right. That like was like. Wait, 8 p.m. to 5 a.m.? Yeah, that's like um, I, was on a, I was on a show on Golf Channel called Shop Makers, and it was the same thing, like 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. every night. And people don't realize it. And I'm like, how do you not realize it? It's nighttime when they're filming. It's like they dark ass- out. Yeah, ass- you assume watching it that it's the same time that you're watching it. You assume it's right. live, right? Like, right. I think it was like 8, eight 9 o'clock. I'm like, yes. no. So I ran the city qualifier course at 3.15 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my and gosh. And then, yeah. And then I, you know, qualified city finals. So I got back to my hotel at 7 a.m., went Mm -hmm. to bed, woke up at 2 p.m., was back on set at 4 p.m. because I had to run city finals course that night. Mm -hmm. And then I ran the city finals course at 9.45 p.m. So I technically ran them in the same day. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, That is funny. Yeah. Uh, And it's honestly, you're living on adrenaline at that point. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. But and then I got second at city finals I made it to the eighth obstacle which is um up the warped wall up the salmon mm-hmm. ladder which that was that was what I wanted I wanted yes. to do the warped wall and I wanted to do the salmon ladder and I was that I was so stoked when I got to do both of those things that when I got to the obstacle after that I didn't know what to do yeah. you're like wait a <laughs> minute just, yeah like wait, I didn't expect to make it this far and oh so my gosh. That ended, that's where I ended up going out um, if you see the video of me doing it, I like, and like fully stretched out in this like split to try and get through this obstacle and it didn't quite make it, but, uh, it was good enough to get me to the national finals in Vegas, which was insane. That was mm-hmm. just a, a wild, wild ride. So that was filmed a few months later and that was filmed back in June and that just aired. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't have the best performance in Vegas, but I was very happy to make it to Vegas. Yes. Oh my no. gosh, that is so cool. And I love that. And it's all about perseverance, right? I feel like that has kind of been, yeah, totally throughout your entire career, which I absolutely love. But, and it's funny too, as you're talking about this, I can totally relate to you. Not so much the physicality part, but for shot makers, the funny thing is they actually, um, they were, their whole um, inspiration was American Ninja Warrior. They wanted to make, because, Amer- yeah, because American Ninja Warrior, you know, seems like it's live, like you said, like viewers yep. think that it's kind of happening in real time. So that was the same thing, the same feel that they wanted. So it's so funny mm-hmm. how you're talking about all this because I'm like, oh my gosh, the producers on my show totally replicated what, you know, they do on American Ninja Warrior, yeah. which I think is so cool. But, um, and it's totally adrenaline, right? Like, I don't know oh, about yeah. you, but like when you're competing like that and you're in the zone, like I pretty much blacked out, like I, everything oh, else, yeah. like you're just so tunnel vision. But in, then at the same time, I didn't remember half the things I did on the show until I actually watched it back later. And then you, you watch it and you're like, oh, I did that. It's just so funny yeah. to see. 
Oh, yeah. Like, when I watched it on TV, people, they're like, is this the first time you're watching? I was like, yeah, I haven't seen yeah. this. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't seen someone. Right. It's weird to watch yourself compete, but I'm also like, I don't remember doing that. Like, I was, right. it was really funny to watch. Like, I don't remember pointing at that or smiling at that or whatever I was totally. doing. Totally. No memory. <laughs> oh, I did the same thing. I was so embarrassed of some of the things I did. Like I was pumping up the crowd at one point and I'm like, oh, watching it. I'm like, I am so embarrassing. <laughs> so I totally, totally feel you there. But I think that's so cool that you had that experience and opportunity. Um, but let's talk about now what you do now. Cause you said you were a personal trainer. You've kind of done that throughout American Ninja Warrior. Um, but I want to know about you. I feel like you do so many things and I absolutely love it. You're a business owner. So talk about your personal training, your, your business that you own, um, how you got into all of that. And then also what skills as an athlete, like helped you out as an entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So personal training. So I own a personal training business. So Mm -hmm. after working at um, a commercial gym for about a year. I met a friend of mine who introduced me. He owned his own personal training business and told me kind of how it all worked. And I was like, okay, I can it sounds way better than working for a corporate company. Mm-hmm. So I left that company, started my own business about two years ago. And I train one on one clients. I've done a few boot camp clients, but for the most part, um, I do one on one and I do online training now, which I just launched. It's kind of it launched, it's an app on your phone. And uh, there's these video Exciting. I can give great workouts that each work exercises a video so people can you know see exactly how to do it but I think when it comes to like an athlete trans like go transferring into the work world and into owning a business I think perseverance work ethic mm-hmm. you know just and having a purpose mm-hmm. is are the things that kind of relate to that like when you're an athlete you know your purpose you know you have your sport your purpose is pretty much to exceed or excel at the sport that you're doing and when you don't have that sport anymore and you transfer into business now I feel like my purpose is to grow my business is to help my clients in any way that I can Mm -hmm. Um, I get I used to get this sense of accomplishment and achievement from gymnastics completing a routine doing things something I've never done before and now I get that through my clients when I get a client that's never done something before whether it be you know 10 push-ups or a pull-up or lifting a certain amount of weight whatever it is and then they do it they feel accomplishment and I feel it too. So Mm -hmm. I kind of, it replicates that feeling that I had as an athlete. And I think that's why I love it so much. So it's, I think it helps, it transfers right in there. Um, helps me a lot. Um, and then the nutritional supplement company is brand new. Mm -hmm. I just started that with my business partner this year. And that was just, I got in, that was kind of a, a random thing, but I got into supplements when I started working out, trying to replace gymnastics with just fitness and, trying to get really healthy and I was taking protein powder after my you know workouts and drinking branched amino acids during my workouts and a friend of mine who had worked at GNC for multiple years uh, presented me with the idea of coming out with my own line of supplements and I was I jumped on I was like absolutely done so we worked hard on our on our products and we launched them in April and so now we have uh, we have that going too which is really exciting. Um, So I want to know more about that because I feel like starting your own supplement company, like it sounds very daunting and kind of scary. So talk to us about that and like kind of everything, the trials and tribulations that you had to go through to launching your own supplement company. Yeah, uh, definitely scary. When he first presented it to me, I I will say I don't think my first reaction was absolutely. I think my first reaction was, um, (laughs) Maybe I don't know. That sounds I don't. That sounds uh, expensive and right. like a lot of like asking for a lot of debt really quickly. <laughs> that was <Yes. laughs> honestly kind of my first thought. 
Um, but you know, I, I did a little bit more research about it and it's not as it's, Definitely not initially lucrative. I mean, you have to, it's mm -hmm. a grinding business. You know, you don't, it's, it's definitely a side business right now where we're just trying to grow the business. It's not, you know, where I'm making my money at, at this point. We're just trying to create products that are going to be really great for our clients and for people. Um, we wanted to create an image where I would get away from the bodybuilding world. Mm -hmm. So people think of supplements, they think of bodybuilders, and that's not, we want people to think of supplements as helping them be healthier. You know, the general, the average person who goes to the gym and works out, you know, three to five days a week might not be getting everything out of their diet and their nutrition that they need. So we wanted to create products to help those people get everything they can out of their, you know, their daily workouts when they go for an hour who just people want to be healthy. Um, but there was a lot of back and forth with our manufacturer, making sure our products had the right ingredients that we wanted, making right. sure they tasted good. Yes. The first... <laughs> Yeah, the first thing he sent us for our branch chain amino acids, we both were like, this is disgusting. Like, <laughs> this is not going to work. So it's just months of sending things back mm -hmm. and forth, um, trying to get the flavors right, because mm -hmm. I'm big on flavor. I wasn't going to create something, put my name on it that I didn't think tasted good. Yep. And that was the probably the most difficult part was getting it to taste good, but not adding you know sugar and making sure right. that it had the right ingredients that it had. And finally, he sent us one, and I tasted my business partner. I tasted, it and we were like, "Done. This is it. Like, this tastes amazing." So um, that was the most time-consuming part. And then designing the label, and mm -hmm. there's a lot more that goes into it than you would think. I mean, I I didn't even realize you have to buy barcodes. Like, oh. you have to buy like to sell them. You have to have a barcode, and you have to buy buy that piece of the puzzle. And I've learned a lot about yeah, the industry. I didn't, even, I didn't even know you actually have to buy barcodes. I'm a little embarrassed now that I didn't know that. But <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's, you, have it's to, a, you have to like, it's like you have like the first certain numbers are like, that's your number and it's a year, you have to pay every year to keep those number, that number. And then the last like three or four numbers are different per product. But you have to right. have these first like seven numbers are your, it's like your ID essentially, and you have to you have to pay to have it every year. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, that is so crazy. Yeah, I feel like as if you get into that, especially when you're selling a product, you learn all the little details that like you had no idea were even existed yeah. as a consumer, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. I had no idea. I mean, yeah, it's and making sure. Oh, spell checking the label. Oh, I don't know how <laughs> many. Like, we wrote the label. I don't know how many times I'd read it and like. There, that's some error, like grammar checks. Like I didn't even right. think about that. Like making oh sure that your, nothing on your label was spelled wrong or that everything was correct, that you had the warning labels on there. I mean, mm -hmm. everything. I don't know, how, I think I read it three or four times and always found an error. Our address at one point was wrong. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's like I'm not an English major, this is not my thing. <laughs> that is insane. But I mean, all the details count, right? All the little details oh, down yeah. to every single period, every single, yeah. you know, everything. I mean, would you want to buy, if you look at a bottle and nutrition is spelled wrong, I'd probably put it down. Like if right. they didn't pay attention to that, what, what's in it? <laughs> like, so, that is too funny. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, um, let's also talk about too, because you mentioned that you have an app. I want to hear more about oh, that. Yeah. 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 So I just launched it like this month. Um, I just started this online, um, online platform for training and I'm really excited about it because I only have so many hours in the day that I can train one-on-one -on -one clients and this helps right. me you know, expand and get to access to more people anywhere, anywhere in the country. So the app is, it's very simple. It has a dashboard on it and it has programs that I can customize to each client. And so let's say I wanted to create, you know, a leg workout 
right? And let's say I throw mm-hmm. squats on there just for sim- simplicity. And I, they, when they click that, there's a video of, um, it's not me in the video. Eventually, mm-hmm. I would like to get mm-hmm. me in the videos. Right now, it's not me. Um, there's a whole database of videos that I have access to. And it's this guy explaining exactly the form that they need to do it, how to do the exercise properly. And so what I love about it, and the reason I haven't done a lot of online training before, is I'm not comfortable giving someone a workout plan without watching them do it, because that's how people get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm finally comfortable creating workout programs for people because I know that they'll be looking at videos and seeing exactly how to do it. And they can message me right then and there instantly through the app and ask me questions. Uh, I will be check- oh, I can so check cool. in with them through the app to make sure everything's going okay. I have a calendar where I schedule all their workouts, their cardio. Mm-hmm. You can link my fitness pal to it and I can look at all of you, everything that you're eating. It's, it's really, really helpful. And there's the connection between my client and I through the app. It's, it's, all you're missing is the face-to-face. And if they mm-hmm. want that, we can Skype or video message on the right. app if they want to show me something. So it's really, really cool. And I can upload my own videos if there's an exercise that I need them to do or something specific that's not on there. I can video myself doing it and send it to them. So it's very um, – there's a lot going on with it, but it's very easy to use. The interface is very simple. Um, and I'm really excited because yeah. I can get more clients going and help them – People who just need guidance in the gym, all they have to do is use the app, look at the workouts, and, and go do it, and they have a trainer right there on their phone. Yeah, that is so cool. And I, it sounds yeah. it's like very hands-on without you actually being there in person, which is so great because I think for a lot of people, it's just like, you know, people want a personal trainer, but I mean, yeah, the fact that they have access to it and you don't have to actually be with them is just really cool. Yeah. Well, and personal training is expensive. I mean, I'm, yes. it, it is, mm-hmm. it is a, an expensive thing and you do, you get a lot out of it. It's very valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, my clients, but sometimes it's just not in the budget for some people, which I completely understand. And right. the online training is a quarter of the cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's substantially cheaper than training and there's a way you can typically people will pay for a program, whether it be eight weeks long or 12 weeks long, long, and then if they want to continue access to the app to continue to use the workouts and continue to have me to check in with them, they can pay a much smaller amount per month to keep me, you know, and I can continue to check in with them over time. Right. So it's it's a really easy way to have a trainer in your pocket and to make sure that you're getting, you're actually progressing. My mm-hmm. favorite part about it is they can track their workouts. So I they can type in the weights that they're using, the reps that they're completing in every workout, and I can see if they're progressing and if they're upping the weight. So if they're not upping the weight, I will know and I can make sure that they do. <laughs> that is so, so cool. Okay, yeah, so what really what is cool. what is your app called? How cuz I am interested in using it now cuz I've had a few different fitness apps before and it's yeah. you know, they're okay, but it like sounds like the fact that you can put in your weight, the fact that I'll know how to do an exercise correctly in the right form, which you know is super important for yep. to prevent injury. So what's the app called? Where can everyone find the it? App- the app is called Trainerize. Um, that's the software that I use. But to you can't you, to log into it, I have to add you as a client. Uh-huh. So, okay. so so what I, what happens if so if a client wants to train with me mm-hmm. via the app, they um, they can submit on my website. They mm-hmm. can submit a like a inquiry inquiry form. Um, I will add them as a client. They get an email on how to set up their account. They create their own login. And then they have full access to me and the database, and then we can start training from there. So um, the one thing, eventually I would like to get app where it's just membership and I have unlimited people. Right now there's um, there's a limited number of spots for clients, but that can I can easily adjust that you know with the touch mm-hmm. of a button. So 
you know, once it fills up, all I have to do is expand it and I can get Mm -hmm. more clients in there. Um, But yeah, so that's how, that's kind of how you log into it. And what's your website called? Uh, Shoefitness.com. It's S-H-U fitness.com. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. Well, and okay, so before we start ending this, I want to know from you, um, first of all, what is your best piece of advice for our listeners? So young female athletes, um, you've given them a lot of great advice so far about, you know, dealing with injury and perseverance, but overall, what's your best message for them? Um, Yeah, I mean, as as a female athlete and then going into the real world as well. Um, honestly, I would say find something that you're passionate about that you love to do and then dive into it and give it all that you have. I think too many people try and do what they feel they're supposed to do or other people think they should be doing or Mm -hmm. the job they think is going to make them the most money, even though they don't like it. And I think that, um, to really be happy and to really be successful and young athletes who are looking to do a sport, pick something that you're truly passionate about that you really enjoy and dive in and give it all that you have. I think that's going to make you the happiest, the most successful in life and uh, make you become the best that you can be. Definitely. I love that. And then also, so we talked a little bit about all your businesses, but give us where can everyone find you, plug all your things, give everyone everything that they should know about where they can find you Uh, and how they can work with you. Okay. Well, I'm on all the social media things. (laughs) I am on uh, Facebook. Um, Anna Shoemaker on Facebook, Instagram. I'm Shoe Fit Ninja on Instagram. Anna Shoemaker on Twitter. Um, my website is uh, Shoe Fitness. So everything's linked. So if you find me on one thing, you'll find me on the rest mm-hmm. of them. So Instagram <laughs> is probably the easiest way to link everything. So Shoe Fit Ninja is my Instagram. Um, and that's how people can contact me for anything, really. <laughs> yeah. And everyone needs to remember she has her personal training in person. So you do you mainly yep. train just in Sacramento area? Yeah, I'm based out of West Sacramento, um, Mm -hmm. and so that's where the gym is at that I train my clients for in-person clients. But online as well. You can find it on her website. And then also your supplement company, too. I want to try that out, too. And it sounds like it tastes good. I don't think I said that. Uh, On Point Nutrition is the supplement. Perfect. Awesome. Well, anything else exciting coming up for you that we should know about? I, you know, I'm kind of in my off season right mm-hmm. now, so nothing right. I just finished um, my first 100-mile bike ride, which was insane. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and as far as ninja goes, I've got – there's some local ninja competitions that mm-hmm. I do that I've got coming up in November, but right now we're waiting for the application to reopen and reapply and hopefully get reselected and do it all over again. Yes, we'll have to see you. And I still need to watch your episodes, but I think that is just so cool. Um, And I hope that you get reselected again. And you'll have to tell me when... You'll have to tell me when that local competition is because I'd love to come out. I love watching American Ninja Warrior. I think it's the coolest thing ever. So I'd love to see it in person. For sure, I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so final question for you. What does playing like a girl mean to you? Oh, I saw that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up with brothers. So when I grew up, it was you throw like a girl, you do this like a girl. That's how mm-hmm. I grew up. And so as a kid, I made it my goal to not have people say that about me, right? I mean, I didn't want them to say I ran like a girl or throw like a girl. Well, I'm so happy that times have changed. And mm-hmm. now I think that is one of the biggest compliments ever. I think that's one of the reasons American Ninja Warrior, the guys and the girls compete together. Same playing field. It's completely equal. And so I want people just, I think it's, I think it means to strive for something. Like when you play like a girl, it means you're striving to be your best. You're working as hard as you can. You're giving it all you got. I mean, you're essentially 
kicking ass at your sport or whatever mm-hmm. you do. So yes. I think play, saying someone plays like a girl is the biggest compliment you can give somebody. <laughs> I love that. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the Play Like a Girl podcast. You had so much yes, good advice for our listeners. And I absolutely love that. I mean, playing like a girl just means, it means like playing like one of the boys, right? It means just playing. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep, playing together, play as you can. Yeah, love it. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) All right, Plag listeners. I don't know about you, but I had so much fun talking to Anna. I learned so many different things today about business, gymnastics, American Ninja Warrior, television. We had some similar stories with our TV experience, but I just had the best time talking with her, and I hope you liked all the advice that she gave. My favorite um, point that she made today was just about perseverance, and then also just finding your passion and really persevering through that as well. So make sure to share this episode with a friend who you think will enjoy this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on this episode, so head to iTunes to leave a review. You can also send any questions or topics you'd like us to cover by sending us a DM on, on Instagram at playlikeagirlmp. We want to know what you want to hear. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us at playlikeagirlmp so we know you're listening alongside us. Thank you so much for listening to episode 11 of Play Like a Girl. We hope you come back for more. Once again, I'm Nikki B, and remember to never stop playing like a girl. You play ball like a girl!